there, and welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sorks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do, that we do. And this week, Scott has introduced me to a classic 60s film. I did, I did, I did. Scott, what movie did we watch today? Today, we watched Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. This is a film that I've been told by multiple adults in my family that I, I should watch immediately. So I have done it. It's been done. <laughs> I had seen it a long time ago from my stepfather because he is really into the Western genre. Yes, I am not. So I have not really been exposed to much Westerns in my time. I would say this is a fringe western this isn't like fistful of dollars or once upon a time in the west this is kind of like a crime western well you you compared it before to like a buddy cop film only instead of cops they're criminals <laughs> overall i i would say that i enjoyed this movie um considering all the hype surrounding it i i was a little underwhelmed I would say not very much I mean I did genuinely really enjoy it but I have to be honest because it's it's very easy to compare this movie to another movie we watched from this era Bonnie and Clyde this came out in 69 and Bonnie and Clyde came out in 67 I believe and both those movies are about a duo of criminals running from the law and random hijinks ensue. So it's kind of easy to compare the two. I personally think that Bonnie and Clyde is a better movie. Now that this is a bad movie, this might be a hot take, but I think Bonnie and Clyde is a better film. I would have to agree with you. I really enjoy Bonnie and Clyde. I think Bonnie and Clyde is honestly almost the perfect movie. What makes this movie great, though, is Robert Redford and Paul Newman. Yes, absolutely. They're incredibly charming, very handsome, and the dialogue in this movie is it's very snappy and like funny, sarcastic, bromantic back and forth. We we dig that. But I just feel that Bonnie and Clyde has a little more development in its characters, a, a little bit more to it overall. So, like I said, this movie came out in 1969, the year of the moon landing. Oh, God. The film was directed by Mr. George Roy Hill. Ah. And he also directed The Sting, which is another movie that uh, both Scott and I have been told... Many times. Many times that we need to see. He also directed that film, which also stars Paul Newman and Robert Redford in the lead roles. So... Apparently, that's a movie that, that we have to see as well. The film was written by William Goldman. Do you know who William Goldman is? I think he's a famous writer, isn't he? He is. He wrote both the novel and the film adaptation for The Princess Bride. Ah. One of my favorite movies of all time. You seem a distant fellow. I hate to kill you. You seem a decent fellow. I hate to die. This movie's got a lot of sarcastic, one-liney dialogue, so it kind of makes sense. Some fun facts about this movie before we get into the nitty-gritty. It's obviously very beloved. It was inducted into the National Film Registry in 2003. Well-deserved. 
It is number 244 on the IMDb Top 250. And it made a shit ton of money. It had a $6 million budget and a worldwide gross of $102 million in 1969. It was the top grossing film of that year. Makes sense. And similarly to Bonnie and Clyde, this film also won a bunch of Oscars. It was nominated for seven and won four of them. That's, that's a good number. Good number. So it won for Best Original Screenplay, yay, William Goldman. Best Cinematography. The cinematography was really, it had a lot of unique aspects of it. It was pretty cool. It also won for Best Original Song, we'll get there, and Best Score. Interesting. Now the awards it didn't win, it was nominated for Best Sound and lost to... A musical that is pretty beloved from my personal childhood. Not a very well-received musical at the time of its release, I think. But Hello, Dolly! was the winner of Best Sound. Quite infamously, that film is deemed to be the end of the big showboaty Hollywood musical movie era. Yeah, that's a movie you and your mother always say, you know, you two, we gotta get Scott down to watch Hello, Dolly! I mean, Barbra Streisand. We love Babs. also nominated for best director and best picture but lost both of those to midnight cowboy oh so no nomination for either newman or redford no acting nominations Mm. interesting which is it is interesting but also again the characters while both redford and newman are incredibly charming they've both had much meatier roles with a lot more development in their characters, so I feel like it kind of makes sense. Well, yeah, it, both Robert Redford and Paul Newman went on to have careers spanning decades. Alrighty, so I think we can get into the nitty-gritty now. Okay. We start off with a projector playing the real-life Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yes, this film is based loosely, almost kind of like... Bonnie and Clyde. This film is based loosely on the true story of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, who were pretty infamous robbers back in the day. Yeah, it's literally almost the same kind of opening as Bonnie and Clyde. Like, you have the projector, you have a little, like, blurb, then they do the credits. This was only two years after Bonnie and Clyde, and Bonnie and Clyde was pretty well received at the time of its release so it kind of makes sense that they're honing in on that style or genre film yeah and we get plopped into this kind of middle ground between black and white and color it's very like sepia i think that's how you say it tones it was so weird because it starts off like that and i'm like oh is that gonna be how it is the whole movie and then i was watching the movie and like 20 minutes later I actually noticed that it's color now and I'm like oh when did that happen like I didn't even realize it happened it was pretty seamless and it didn't really take you out of the movie at all it kind of if anything just kind of eased you into the story yeah it's an interesting choice and it looks cool I think it's more like a transitional set piece 
So we immediately focus on Paul Newman. Paul Newman, who is playing Butch Cassidy. This was two years after he did Cool Hand Luke, so he is like on the top of his game right now. Big, big star at this time. And Paul Newman is kind of case in this bank. He's walking around. He's looking at how the tellers are putting things away. They're closing up, talking to security there. And then we cut to Robert Redford. The Sundance Kid. Now, Robert Redford was like 10 years younger than Paul Newman. He was relatively unknown. But at the time, Newman, being the bigger star that he was saw Redford's audition, I guess, and really dug him so he was fighting for him to be in the role, despite the fact that nobody knew who the hell he was. He made a good damn choice. Because Robert Redford is amazing. Yeah, he was really great, and he's incredibly handsome. So you would think that a big star in his 40s, really like hot in the game right now, would be maybe intimidated or feel a little threatened by a younger actor who's got talent and who's incredibly handsome. But he was just like, I want that kid. And it worked out great because they do have great chemistry together. They do. So I wanted to play a game with Frankie really quick. Oh, no. So I don't like games. Uh, That's not true. I love games. Okay, go on. Okay. Game. Game time. So game time real quick. And y'all, you can play along at home as well. Fuck, marry, kill. Oh, no. Okay. It's between... There's only two guys, though. Who, who else are it we... It is between Robert Redford... Uh-huh. Paul Newman... Uh-huh. And Warren Beatty. Oh, dear. Okay. Hmm. Given that I don't know anything about their personalities as people, like, in no. real life, I'm just going to go all based on the vibe that I get from each gentleman and, obviously, their physical appearance. So, Warren Beatty, I'd probably kill. Obviously, he's very handsome, but he seems like a yuppie, hoity-toity type, and I'm not about that life. So... Now we're in between Paul Newman and Robert Redford. Hmm. Okay. So I would probably marry Robert Redford and fuck Paul Newman. Because fucking Paul Newman... I mean, either way, it would be fine. Either way, I would be okay. I would be able to sleep at night. But I feel like... Robert Redford is the more wholesome of the two, perhaps. And also, like, he would give me cuter babies, I think. Robert Redford is very good looking. I mean that jawline, though. Like, <laughs> ooh, just you can cut a steak with that jawline. Oh, boy. So we're introduced to Robert Redford here, which is... Well, wait, why don't you play the game? Oh, you want me to play the game? Why do I have to play the game, you sexist fuck? <laughs> why don't you play the game? Okay, so in my opinion... Opinion, I, I would marry Robert Redford. I'd probably fuck Warren Beatty and kill Paul Newman. <gasps> You'd kill Paul Newman. I like Paul Newman a lot. <laughs> I do too, but that smile of Warren Beatty. Woo. <laughs> okay, should I be jealous? <laughs> yes, be jealous of Warren Beatty. <laughs> the Sundance Kid is playing a card game. Oh, yes, he's in a saloon. I just wanted to let you guys know because I have a fun fact about this particular scene. Yes, he's playing this card game, and he's winning pretty handily. 
so the Sundance Kid is playing cards with, I guess, the owner of the saloon. Yeah, I guess. And he is played by a very, very, very young Sam Elliott in his film debut. Ra ra, ah ah ah, Roma, Roma ma, Gaga, ooh la la. Want your bad romance? A mustacheless Sam Elliott. Yeah, I didn't even recognize him at all. Sam Elliott is quite upset that he basically has been, as he said, conned out of all his money by. Robert Redford's character. He's basically threatening the Sundance kid, telling him, you can get the fuck out of here, leave the money, get the fuck out of here. And Paul Newman walks in and goes, hey man, calm down, just ask us to stay. And he's like, I'm not asking you fuckers to stay, get the fuck out. He goes, well, you know, I guess that's it, Sundance. And then immediately he's like, oh, you're the Sundance kid. So it's kind of establishing that Butch and Sundance are well-renowned for their fuckery and debauchery. Yeah. <laughs> at this point. Uh, he He's like, now backtrack. He's like, oh, you guys can stay whatever you want. It's all good. Sundance ends up shooting the gun out of his hand and shooting it three times in midair to prove he's a hell of a shot. Oh, yeah. But I do, I do like that scene. It's very, very tense. And it does a good job at establishing who these guys are. I just kind of wish that throughout the rest of the movie there was more done to develop them. Yeah, it definitely you definitely could have at least expanded more on their relationship and their relationship with another character who we haven't met yet. So they leave and Butch is talking about going to Bolivia. He He's just like, I've heard it's a... Bandit's paradise. And he's like, yeah, we'll, we'll be fine. You know, we can just go do it. But uh, let's go meet up with the gang first. We'll talk about robbing this bank and we'll be good. So they go back and they meet with Butch Cassidy's gang, the Hole in the Wall gang. And the Hole in the Wall gang has gotten together and decided they don't need Butch Cassidy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> They're like, we don't need you. We... We're going to follow this guy, Harvey. And Harvey's this big goon of a guy. He goes, yeah, you said we could challenge you at any time, Butch. And I'm challenging you. And he goes, you want a knife fight or a gun fight? <laughs> and Butch is like, I don't want to shoot you, man. <laughs> Which is foreshadowing for later, wink, wink. But the guy just whips out his knife. And he goes over to Sundance. And he's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do now? <laughs> And he goes, I guess you gotta fight them. And Harvey goes, oh, Sundance, after I kill Butch, you know, you're more than welcome to stay in the gang. <laughs> and then Butch goes to Sundance and he's like, Listen, I don't mean to be a sore loser, but uh, when it's done, if I'm dead, kill him. Love to. And then the biggest laugh I got in the movie happens. Yeah. Someone goes to hand Butch a knife. And Butch goes, wait a second, me and Harvey have to discuss the rules. And Harvey lets down his guard immediately and goes... Rules? There are no rules in the knife fight. And Butch kicks him right in the crotch. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. It's funny too because like after he kicks him in the nuts, Butch is like, all right, I guess we're starting now. Count me down. And <laughs> Sundance goes, what do you think? Oh. And then uh, Butch just turns around and whacks him in the face again. And it's like, oh God, like they got a little comic duo thing going. Yeah. So the crew is like, okay, well. Harvey followed this idea of robbing this train both 
when it, when it comes through town and when it comes back through town. And he's like, Harvey thought of that? That's a good idea. Because <laughs> they figure, I guess, that once they rob the train going, the people on the train probably figured they're safe and they're not going to get robbed again coming back. So they won't see it coming, whatever. But it's... It's a ballsy move. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we, we love that. Yeah. We, we love a ballsy man. So as they're robbing the train, they get the train to stop and they go to the car with the safe. And a man named Woodcock is not letting them in. That's quite the name, by the way. We love a Woodcock. Frankie, be careful what you say. That could be used all over the internet. Yeah, okay. But yeah, Woodcock, he's a very loyal employee. <laughs> You're just going to laugh every time I say Woodcock? Yep. Woodcock, 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 Woodcock. How much wood would a woodchuck cock if a woodchuck could chuck cock? Anyway, when the bandits come up to him and say, uh, little pig, little pig, let me come in. He goes, not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. Are you suggesting that I have facial hair, furball? Uh, no, I only <laughs> meant that. The bandits are like over his bullshit, so they just kind of take a stick of dynamite and blow up the goddamn train car. <laughs> and Woodcock is like unconscious. But you know, at- that's what dynamite does. It just like blows you back a little bit and makes you a little sooty. Uh, Doesn't really, you know, yeah. kill you or anything. Spray your meat everywhere. Yeah, but she's like, see, this is what happens when you don't listen to me. So they get in, they rob the train, and they go on their merry way. And they hide out in, like, the top floor above this brothel. And they're looking out over into the town below. And they're watching as the townspeople are in a mob. And the marshal is standing there at the foot of the mob trying to convince everyone to join like a posse and go after the hole in the wall gang meanwhile they're all hiding and like across the street yeah it's actually quite funny because he's like how many of you are got guns you willing to use and nobody raises their hand nobody gives a fuck they're like they're fucking out of town by now probably who cares let them go (laughs) and then finally at one point a bicycle salesman cuts off the U.S. Marshal and goes, I have this new form of transportation. Who wants one? Who wants one? And the, mar- the Marshal's like over. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm, I'm trying to get a posse together here, sir. And he's like, no one cares. You got the crowd together, so I'm trying to sell some shit here, sir. So Butch starts getting frisky with one of the ladies at the brothel. And uh, Sundance is like, well, I'm going to be on my way now. I'm going to find me a nice lady <laughs> to keep me company. The next scene, <laughs> he's... He's just sitting in this random woman's bedroom and the woman walks into her bedroom and she sees Sundance sitting there completely shrouded by darkness except for this one little bit of spotlight on his face. And a pistol in his hand. Yeah, and you think, where is this going? <laughs> what What's about to happen? And I thought, okay, it's either going to end up two ways. Either... It's real, like, he's really holding a gun on this random woman. He broke into this woman's house, and he wants to, like, rape her, which is problematic in a million and one ways, obviously. Or it's a joke, and they're just role-playing, and that's his little girlfriend or whatever. And, like, 
the thing is, I thought it was the latter at first, but then the scene just kept going. Like, he kept being mean to her and, like, pointing the gun at her and making her take off more clothes. And I'm like, what the fuck? Okay, like, end the bit. Like, is it not a bit? <laughs> and then right at the last minute, as the scene was finally ending, right before they get frisky, frisky, she's like, you know what I wish? And he's like, what? I wish you for once just be on time. And I'm like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> You almost faked me out, movie. Yeah, this is Edda. Played by Catherine Ross. Edda. She's kind of a nothing character. Like, I literally could find nothing else in her IMDb that I recognized her from. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, Edda is a... She's a character that I feel like they wanted to have more with her. Yeah. Like, she is clearly there to kind of be the middle of Butch and Sundance, but I don't feel like she ever lives up to that. Right. I think I might have a little bit of insight into Catherine Ross's role in this film. During the filming of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, there was a significant amount of conflict between Catherine Ross and the director, George Roy Hill. Okay. Now, on the first day of shooting they were filming the train robbery. So obviously Catherine Ross wasn't needed that day, but she had come to set to just watch. And there were five cameras shooting the scene and four operators. So the cinematographer, he decided to put her on the extra camera and showed her how to operate it. I don't see why that's a problem. Well, the director (laughs) was fucking pissed that she was operating the camera and he banned her from set unless she was working. He's like, you can't come on set. Fuck you. Go away. And apparently that contention kind of lasted the whole movie because later on, Catherine Ross was quoted as saying, any day away from George Roy Hill was a good one. <laughs> wow. So they didn't get along. No, clearly not. So maybe that's why, you know, her, she was kind of withdrawn a little bit more in the film. Or maybe that's just how it was written from the beginning. I don't really know. But it was not an easy go for Catherine Ross on the set. Let's just put it that way. It makes me wonder, like, why would you care so much about her using the camera well if you don't want her operating the camera because i i get that but like don't be mad at her she's just doing what the cinematographer told her to do even and he knows what he's doing so if he told her to do it then that's not her fault so we get to the next morning and paul newman's riding a bicycle outside the window being a goofball yeah he kind of just shows up on this bike and she eventually comes out They end up going off and riding around on the bike together with her on the handlebars. And this scene is pretty iconic because it is the introduction to our Oscar-winning original song. Raindrops are falling on my head And just like the guy whose feet are too big for his bed Nothing seems to fit those raindrops Oh, this song didn't exist before this movie? Uh, no. Oh. No. See, I didn't know that either until I looked it up. So the song Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head was written by the film's composer Bert Bacharach. 
Ah, Burt as well as Hal David. Now, Burt Bacharach is a pretty legendary composer. He has won multiple Grammys, although I know him mainly from his cameo performances in Austin Powers. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Burt Bacharach. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. Don't judge me. That's how I was introduced to Burt Bacharach, you guys. It's okay. It's it's fine. I was born in the 90s. Leave me alone. <laughs> we all know the song. We all know raindrops keep falling on my head. It's not for me. It's good. It's good. It's, it's catchy. Just, it's a song that has been in our lexicon for so long. I'm shocked to find out where it actually came from. But yeah, this is a long scene. She's sitting in a barn, a random barn, and Paul Newman's doing like tricks and nifty stuff on this brand new bicycle machine. Ooh. And then they have this weird interaction. Ed is like... Oh, Butch, you ever think about if I met you first before I met Sundance, if we would ever got together? And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and Butch is like, well, we already are together. We're riding on a bicycle. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening here? And then right after that, Sundance comes out and he's like, what's going on here? And Butch is like, oh, I'm just messing with your woman. And he's like, take her. I'm like, what the fuck? What kind of relationship is this? <laughs> it's very interesting because I do think Butch would like to be Sundance and have this stable relationship while I think Sundance would much rather be Butch. Yeah, kind of like the Lothario, kind of more unattached and not... Yeah, I get what you're saying. But it's just kind of weird. Like, they establish this sort of kind of love triangle between the three of them slash the, like, pitter-patterings of a threesome thing. Like, I don't know what the fuck. It's very weird. It's a weird dynamic. It's almost like the Bonnie and Clyde dynamic with CW. It's it's very odd, and it's not really developed at all, so it's just kind of like a plot thread that's just kind of left hanging in the air. Yeah, it it's definitely could have been more. So now it's the train that comes back. And, and they gotta rob it again. And they're about to rob it again. And they get to that back car. And who's there? <gasps> Our favorite Woodcock. He's back. And he does not want to open the door. You're again. stupid. You're so stupid. They they get in there and he's put the money in an even bigger safe now. So they have to get even more dynamite. And apparently. They used a little too much yeah. because the fucking train car explodes and it blows all of them back. <laughs> and money flies everywhere. Yeah, it's it's kind of a hot mess. It's a really cool shot, though. Yeah, no, it is fun. We love a good explosion. We do. And suddenly another train starts coming. And Butch and Sundance both look perplexed at this. The train stops. And a bunch of fucking bounty hunters come popping out of the train. And now the hole-in-the-wall gang is on the run. Two of them get shot. Oh, yeah. As they're, like, riding away on their horsies, <laughs> Sundance turns to Butch and he's like, Hey, Butch! What? They're very good! <laughs> 
Like they, there's a lot of good like little one-liners in here. So the hole in the wall gang separates. Butch and Sundance go to the left, and the rest of the hole in the wall gang go to the right. And suddenly they realize all the bounty hunters are following Butch and Sundance. Hmm, how peculiar. Butch and Sundance keep riding. They finally get to uh, the brothel. While they're hiding out, Butch ends up hooking up with a nice prostitute by the name of Agnes, who, fun fact, was played by Cloris Leachman. Ah! Legendary comedic actress. They're, they're having a grand old time. She is, like, on top of Butch. And I think this is partly influenced by Bonnie and Clyde, because Bonnie and Clyde, at that time... The sexual content in that film was very risque. So I think in this movie, any sexual fuckery is either shrouded in darkness or very like off to the side and not very detailed. Let's put it that way. Because the fucking prostitute who is paid to have sex with people is fully clothed while (laughs) on top of Butch Cassidy. And also, you know, just to add to the sexy mood, Sundance is also in the room (laughs) while they're, like, kind of getting frisky, and he's looking out the window to watch for the bounty hunters. Yes. But she's, keep looking at him and goes, how can I give this woman the loving she needs if you keep looking out the window and bothering me? (laughs) Ha ha ha, that's very humorous. The owner of the brothel sends the bounty hunters away. But they come back, and he points at Butch and Sundance, and Sundance's like, we gotta go! Yeah. So, they manage to escape. They realize, as they are running, that this very well-known sheriff is with this posse, Sheriff LaForce. Sheriff LaForce, with his white-brimmed hat. Yeah, and that's how you always know it's him. So they're like, why are all these guys chasing us like crazy? What the hell is going on? And finally they get cornered and they are at a waterfall. Oh, yeah. This is a great shot because they they jump onto this cliff and Butch is like, damn it. And then it zooms out and you see this ginormous chasm and like a waterfall. And you're like, oh, fuck, they're stuck. Sundance is sitting there with his gun out. And Butch is like, okay, we can shoot at them, and they'll stay where they are, but they'll probably starve us out. And then they, they start bickering like an old married couple, They start basically. bickering. Butch goes, okay, our, I think our only option is to jump. And Sundance goes, no, I don't want to do that. I'm going to fight him. <laughs> Butch is like, no, it'll be okay. If the water's deep enough, we don't get squished to death. They'll never follow us. How do you know? Would you make a jump like that and you didn't have to? I have to, and I'm not going to. Basically, so it comes down to, he goes... Butch, I can't swim. And he starts laughing like an ass. He's like, who cares if you can't swim? The fall will probably kill you before the water does. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Oh, God. So eventually they just say fuck it and they jump off the damn cliff screaming, shit. (laughs) So they get away for the time being and they run back to Edda. I actually liked this moment because like she... Goes up to them and gives them both a hug. Butch goes inside and, like, Sundance and her have this little moment. She kind of whimpers, like, I thought you were dead. And he's like, don't make a big thing out of it. 
And then she just kind of walks away sullenly. And he's like, no, 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 make a big deal out of it. And he grabs her and pulls her into this big hug. And I'm like, oh, it's so cute. And it's like literally the only fucking cute romantic moment between them. (laughs) Like literally that's it. The whole movie. It's kind of underwhelming. So they get in and they're having this whole discussion. Uh, Turns out the the guy who owns the trains hired this posse. Yeah, he's like, the the guy who owns the train is kind of pissed at you for picking on him, so he hired this A-team of bounty hunters to come after you and kill you. and <laughs> not, that- not arrest you, bring you in, fucking kill you. Yes, so Butch and Sundance agree that let's go to Bolivia. Like, let's, let's really do it. Let's really live the dream. And Sundance goes to Edda and he's like, listen, we'll be less suspicious if we are traveling with a woman. If you want to stay here, I won't blame you. But if you want to come with us, you can. I just don't want to hear any fucking whining. How romantic. I'm sure she really believes that you care about her so much and want her to come with you. And she says something that is really the only genuine development for her character throughout the whole movie. She turns to Sundance and Butch and says, well, I'm 26. I'm single and I'm a school teacher. So I'm at the bottom of the pit. And I'm like, whoa. (laughs) The fucking standards for bottom of the pit in the Old West were very, very low, apparently. She continues on saying, like, listen, I will go with you to Bolivia. I will do whatever you want me to do. But the one thing I won't do is watch you die. I can't handle that. And he was like, okay, let's do this. And... They go on their adventure. They go on their adventure. We get one last line of Butch Cassidy throwing his bike to the side and going, the future's all yours, you lousy bike. (laughs) Okay. Okay, sweetie. I didn't know why he was so angry at the bike. I guess, you know, they're starting a fresh deer. They're starting a new life in Bolivia. So the tea now is they have to travel to New York to get a boat to go to Bolivia. So they go to New York and... The preceding segment is a series of photos of the three of them just, you know, living it up in New York. And there's, like, moments where Butch is looking at Sundance and Edda that kind of look like that could be. But, like, you want something here. Like, this is the thing is. Again, we're establishing a weird love triangle that goes nowhere. Yeah, like, right here is something, like, I wanted to see Butch and Sundance in New York. Yeah, I don't hate this segment. The pictures are cutesy and the music is chipper and like that's fine and everything. But I also feel like it, it kind of makes the movie come to a, a stop almost. Like the pacing is weird at this part. It kind of just throws it off. This goes on for a little while. And then it ends with the train of Bolivia pulling out of a station and they're in Bolivia. And it's looking pretty nasty and pretty barren, actually. Yeah, it looks like a farm village. Yeah, it kind of looks like the shot, you know, in Eurotrip where they show up at like that weird kind of Russian-y yeah. town that is population like seven. And it's really dark and dank and scary looking. It's like that. Now they're in Bolivia because, okay. And, <laughs> and they decide they're going to rob a bank to ease... Sundance's mind. Oh, yes, because that's what Butch tells Etta, because, you know, Sundance at one point snaps at Etta a little bit when she tries to chill him out. 
and Butch is like, you know what? He'll feel better once he robs a couple banks. <laughs> and then lo and behold, they cut to them at a bank, the two of them, and they go in and surprise of all surprises in the Spanish speaking country, the bank tellers speak Spanish. Oh my God. And they speak really fast because it's their native language. So Butch and Sundance are like, what the fuck? What do we do? And they go back to the hotel or whatever that they're staying at. And Edda's like, all right, I'm going to teach you guys some more Spanish. Because before this, Butch was like, oh, I know a little bit of Spanish. We'll be fine, you know. And Butch is like, well, I forgot the words. Just, you know, why don't you just shoot me? And Sundance turns around. He's like, you've had worse ideas lately. (laughs) Again, nice snappy dialogue. Honestly, you tune into this movie for Robert Redford and Paul Newman. Yeah, their chemistry is great. That's really like the shining star of the, of the film. And also like the writing, like you can tell that the same writer of Princess Bride wrote this cuz the the writing in Princess Bride as well is pretty clever and snappy. Yeah, so uh Ed is trying to teach them Spanish. Sundance is not getting any of it. He's <laughs> not doing well and she's trying to cue Butch who's in the other room and Butch is cheating with cue cards but then like the next day or whatever they go and try to rob a bank and Butch has to use his little cue card his little cheat sheet Manos arriba they got him up skip on down arriba skip on down todos ustedes arismense a la pared they're against the wall already don't they ah you're so damn smart you read it they complete their first bank robbery and they get away and then it starts another little kind of montage segment of them oh, yes. robbing more banks. Mm-hmm. Edda actually gets involved in some of the robberies. Yes. The music at this part is really cool and cheery. And it's it's a very interesting choice because it contrasts very starkly with the montage of them robbing the banks, you know. But it kind of adds to the comedy of the whole situation. Fun fact... The music over this particular montage is a very choral kind of uh, almost like doo-wop-y. Starts out with just female voices and then the male voices come in. It's very, it's very fun, very yeah, it's a, it's a bouncy very cool song. Cool and bouncy, yes, absolutely. But there is a very particular voice that is present in this particular montage that I thought you would find interesting. A pretty infamous voice actor, a Mr. Thurl Ravenscroft. Now, he's done many a voice role in several films and television shows. But one particular role that he is quite infamous for is that of Tony the Tiger. Never heard of sugar frosted flakes? Those big crisp flakes of corn with that secret toasted in sugar frosting? They're great! He's great! The montage ends with Butch and Sundance noticing a man in a white hat asking some questions of some town folk. Very suspicious. And they realize it's the sheriff. (gasps) Which means the bounty hunter gang is after them still. So they decide the best option for them is to go straight. Yeah, they decide they're not going to be bank robbers anymore. Because the gang can't come after them if they're not 
doing bad things anymore that you know if they're if they're being if they're being good people and not criminals they can't in good conscience kill them right that makes sense so they decide that they're gonna get a job in town they go to this little mine and the mine owner is like we can't guarantee you pay but we might be able to use you if you guys can actually shoot your guns mm-hmm. and uh he, he gives sundance the option to shoot his gun and Sundance is like can I move around a bit with it and he goes sure and Sundance shoots like this target that's 20 feet away the old man who owns the mine is like okay you're you guys are in and this is another point where the movie kind of comes to a standstill for a while it's very slow moving at this point and I'm kind of like ugh, okay the old man who owns the mine is very talkative. Yeah, at one point, he's like, I know you guys must think I'm crazy, but I'm not crazy. I'm colorful. <laughs> like, same, old man. Well, that's the last Me thing too. he says right before he gets shot. <laughs> yeah, so they get bombarded by robbers, and the old man who owns the mine gets killed. Butch and Sundance eventually fight him off after a very interesting sequence. Yeah, so uh, Sundance is like, okay... Tell them this is our job to bring the money back to the mine and that's all we're doing. They can just get up and leave without the money. And Butch is, of course, not good at Spanish. So that's going nowhere. So Sundance is like, Can you take the two on the right? Kid, there's something I think I ought to tell you. I never shot anybody before. One hell of a time to tell me. Robert Redford's face here is priceless. His eyes kind of bulge a little bit, but you can tell he's like trying to keep it cool still at the same time to not alert the thieves that he's freaking out. And he goes, okay, aim for their middle. At least if you miss, you'll hit something. And they do. They get lucky. They gun all six of these guys down. At this point, Etta is a little upset she's like you know we could still go straight you could become farmers or ranchers and they're like no no that's not gonna work i don't think going straight is for us and etta essentially is just like listen i i think i should go back to the states and it's implied that she wants to go back because she's afraid that this posse is going to fucking kill them and she doesn't want to see that but it's really not a dread. Like, I just feel very hollow in that whole sequence when she's telling them that she's going to leave. She doesn't seem emotionally invested in them at all. It's kind of just an empty scene. Oh, well, yeah. They- and they're, they're, they're also like, okay, well, if you want to go, just go. There's no, like, emotional goodbye or anything. And, like, I get it. Like, in real life, maybe there wasn't really an emotional goodbye or, like, melodramatic bullshit like that. But this is a movie. So, like, give us some melodrama here a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's definitely hard when you kind of were, like, never really connected to this romance. You're more connected that you hope Paul Newman and Robert Redford had sex at some point. (laughs) Well, they definitely have more chemistry, I would say. But even with them, you're invested in them because they're cute and charming and they have fun banter back and forth and they make you laugh. But like as well-rounded characters, I don't have the same investment in them as I did with Bonnie and Clyde. Basically, what you get is Butch is the brain, Sundance is basically the gun. And they're smart asses. And they're smart asses. 
that's really it. That's all you know about them. And like the thing is with Bonnie and Clyde, I don't know if you were necessarily rooting for them, but they they were kind of like an anti-hero situation where like you know they're bad people, but also their story was so interesting and their characters were so interesting and the reason you thought their characters were interesting is because you connected with how they felt about other people in their lives like Clyde with his brother and Bonnie with Clyde and it's like these relationships were developed the relationships in this movie really aren't developed beyond surface level like funny lines and that's it yeah um, there are classic movies that are very deep like godfather Mm -hmm. and movies that you have to watch a few times to get that like the meaning behind the movie i don't think butch cassidy and the sundance kid is a movie you have to sit and watch a few times to think about no definitely not it's definitely like a fun popcorn movie right yeah it's an oscar winning fun popcorn movie i wish there were more of those nowadays yeah really well that doesn't really exist anymore (laughs) uh but i digress so They're still bouncing around Bolivia, occasionally pulling jobs, and they get recognized in a little cafe and start getting shot at. Oh, shit. They're Bolivian cops all outside. Throughout this big sequence towards the end of the film, with them being involved in this huge shootout, like, it's it's definitely exciting. It keeps your attention, and Sundance is definitely a crazy good shot so i mean it's it's definitely fun to watch it all happen yeah he he definitely drops i think at least 10 police officers yeah and it's so it's like this huge posse of dudes after them and these two guys and they hold their own for quite a while they do paul newman gets shot in the back at one point sundance gets him up gets him inside and then sundance gets shot in the stomach yeah so they're hiding out in this old shack or something and despite the fact that at this point i would assume that these guys know they're pretty much cornered and they're gonna fucking die and yet they still find time and energy to continue sassing each other australia is no better than here oh that's all you know (laughs) name me one thing they speak english in australia they do got horses in australia hell they got thousands of miles we could hide out in a good climate, nice beaches. You can learn to swim. No swimming. Yeah. Uh, while they're continuing to sass each other, the whole fucking Bolivian army fucking comes and surrounds them as well. So now, instead of just being like twenty people, it's like two hundred people. Now, before we get to the penultimate ending scene of this film, Butch and Sundance are backed up against the wall. All seems lost. But don't you worry, Butch and Sundance, because Shoot the Flick is here with a segment that we like to call The Cast Could Have Been. Alrighty, so... We do have some interesting cast could have for both Butch and Sundance. Let's start with Butch. I, I found two actors who were considered for the role of Butch Cassidy. One of which was Marlon Brando. 
which I feel like would have been weird. I just can't see Marlon Brando in a Western. Did he ever do like a Western? I don't think so, but I could be very wrong. I, I could also be wrong. I'm not very well versed in 60s, 70s movies. It's not really my expertise. No, it's But not. I just personally, in what I've seen of Marlon Brando, I just don't see him fitting in with this aesthetic. But if you think about it, if he brought like the Sky Masterson chops... Of the character. Uh-huh. That's the that's his character in Guys and Dolls, the only musical that Scott can stomach. N- incorrect. I did Oh, lo- really? Because I introduced you to two, count them, two fantabulous musicals, and you hated both of them. Uh, yes, but then there's other ones like Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton. My name is Alexander Hamilton. And there's a million things I haven't done. Just you wait, just you wait. We do love Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton. We are waiting in the wings for you <laughs> and Mr. Woodcock. And Mr. Woodcock. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the continue. musical. Uh, but Mr. Woodcock, the musical. <laughs> That's everything I've ever dreamed of. Okay. Cool. Lynn, Lynn, work it out. Lynn. If anyone can do it, you can. If anybody can send this to Lynn. And just have him write just a song called Mr. Woodcock. I would kill myself. <laughs> that would be so amazing. I could die happy. Okay. Continue. I'm sorry. I cut you off. It's okay. If he brought that cool factor. Yeah. I mean, essentially, it's not a very complex character. No. It kind of just has to be a cool dude who who <laughs> is limber. And, and very mouthy. Yeah. So it could work. Also, this one I found kind of weird because... This particular actor is closer in age to Robert Redford. He was 32 at the time this movie came out. I'm speaking of a Mr. Dustin Hoffman. See, that one's weirder to me. I just think of him in The Graduate, and I'm like, it just doesn't, the character doesn't fit in my head. Right. No, I get what you're saying. Moving on to Sundance, I found three actors who were in the running for that role, the first of which I feel like we have to discuss immediately, Warren Beatty. I feel like, and I might be wrong, they probably offered him the role and he turned it down because like, he was like, eh, too much like, yeah. uh, too much like Bonnie and Clyde. Like, that's, no, I don't think I should do that. Yeah. It just seems right to me. Yeah, he has the smile, but I, I don't know. I don't see him as Sundance. He's not like the the smile thing, like it because it, it, Sundance has like like a mis- mischievous little smile, but I feel like th- he doesn't have like the mischievousness of Sundance. No, one baby, he has more like a smug smile, like the Bonnie and Clyde yeah. thing. Um, but other actors that were considered, Jack Lemon. Okay. Which is weird to me. Yeah, that that one also really doesn't fit in my head. Yeah, I just picture like him in some like it hot, and it's just mm, I don't know. Yeah, I mean it would have been interesting to see that maybe, because I mean, pretty famously across time, a lot of comedic actors find it very easy to transfer over to more dramatic yeah. roles. Like I'm looking at his face right now. I'm looking at the picture they have on. Yeah, I just don't see it. On the box, I don't see it. Also, he was 44 at the time, so he would have been like the same age as Paul Newman. And like the dynamic between Redford and Newman is good because it's kind of like, like you said, like the smart brain 
of older older guy yeah and then the younger like the gun limber yeah exactly sundance looks up to butch in a way and butch is you know always like treating him like a like a kid almost sometimes so they have that interesting dynamic and i feel like if he if newman had someone closer to his age it just wouldn't have been the same dynamic yeah um and then finally we have steve mcqueen okay yeah that i mean that's the only one that i can see working simply because like He's Steve fucking McQueen. Right. Action movies like this is kind of Steve McQueen's bread and butter. So that makes sense to me. But other than that, I I do think overall the choices that were made, the casting choices were the best that could have been made. And I'm definitely glad, like I said before, that Newman fought to have Redford in it because their chemistry was on point. That is by far the highlight of the film. So that was the cast could have been. Oh yeah. Okay, so back to the the climax of climaxes. Uh yeah, so they're sitting there and Butch goes, You know where we should go next time? Australia. Yeah, I I, I I thought you secretly wanted to know, so I thought I'd just tell you. And I'm like, what the fuck? You guys are about to fucking die. Like, can you not? And then, also, like Bonnie and Clyde, the ending sequence of this film is pretty iconic. Yeah. Butch and Sundance get up, grab their guns, run out. Right into the firing squad that's outside. And the screen freezes. There's a bunch of gunfire and yelling that rings out over their frozen yeah. frame. You'd like to think that Bush and Sundance got a few more as they were going out. But it's a great kind of poignant moment where you just see like their frozen selves kind of running out into the melee. And you just hear it over like their bodies like frozen in time. It's pretty cool. And then the color palette completely turns and fades back to the sepia tone kind of thing like the old westerny tone from the beginning it's a really good ending sequence it is so i was wondering if i think the ending of bonnie and clyde was as much as it's an amazing ending and we look back at it now and it's really good if in 1967 they were like oh god that was really drastic that was well yeah it was pretty risque yeah for the violence and the the graphic nature of it and this movie which is another movie where your main characters die in a hail of gunfire mm-hmm. if that's why they chose this type of ending because as much as you hear two waves of gunshots probably blowing these people away you don't see it so your theory is that they didn't film it the way they filmed the Bonnie and Clyde death because the audience reacted pretty heavily to the graphic nature of Bonnie and Clyde. At least that's uh, that's the possibility in my mind. I think that's possible to have been part of it. I think another part of it is because there is such a similarity between the Bonnie and Clyde film and this film in like the story type, the genre so to speak, 
I think if they did the ending where the two then get pelted by gunfire and blood spurting everywhere and all that crap, it would have been seen as too similar to Bonnie and Clyde and like trying to kind of copy off of that. So I, I think they tried to they tried to do their own special, unique, standout ending because they didn't want to look like they were aping the success of Bonnie and Clyde. But I think it's also the graphic nature of it too. I think maybe they didn't want to bank solely on the violence aspect of it and just focus on the yeah. cinematography of it, which is awesome. The cinematography is great. Yeah. Conrad Hall well-earned his Oscar. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. It was, it was. Woo! Another movie down, bang, bitch. Bang. So, Frankie, now that we've gone through another successful review. Yes, dear. What would you rate Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid on Leatherboxd? I have it rated as a three and a half out of five. I very much enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoyed the comedic banter back and forth. But I do like Bonnie and Clyde better because I believe that the characters are more developed and I'm just more invested in them in general. I wish that these characters of Butch and Sundance were more developed in that way as well. Because I did want to care about them more. I just didn't have anything to kind of hold on to, you know? Yeah, I get it. I understand. I'm on the same page. I knock it up a little more to a four. I love this movie. I, it is, it's a fun popcorn movie. It's yeah, just, I really enjoyed the cinematography and the music was fun. There's a lot to love. Again, Robert Redford and Paul Newman are... Oh, yeah. Give these two, who are both great actors, more meat and potatoes. I feel like you could have had a little more with them. Yeah. But overall, I still like the movie. It's still a fun watch. We recommend you watch it, too. Absolutely. So, next week, get your lightsabers... And your baby Yoda dolls out and proud because it's Star Wars time again. Yes, and we are going into arguably one of the most controversial movies. Holy fuck, balls, yeah. But me and Scott both loved it when we watched it last time. So we'll see how it goes this time. (laughs) We thought we liked Force Awakens before we watched it again. (laughs) It's going to be very interesting. Because again, it's very hard to separate all these movies now. Because when you once you know where things go, it's so hard to like be like, oh, let's boil this down to one movie. Yeah, but I think we might still like Last Jedi because Force Awakens was a very safe, middle of the road movie. This movie makes fucking risky choices. They don't all pan out well, but a lot of them do, and I feel like we might enjoy this better than force awakens i really hope so because i actually really liked last jedi and it's gonna bum me out if i don't like it as much anymore yeah so we're gonna give it a shot we'll see what we think until then this has been shoot the flick an official paradox podcast i'm frankie sparks i'm the sundance kid no no you're not um so dare you you're more like the old colorful man that gets shot (laughs) i'm not crazy i'm colorful 
So make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick. And make sure you check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. And pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. Scott is staring daggers into me. So guys, we got to go. We, we got we to gotta get out. We, I, I really, I, I got to go. I got to go now. Um, please check us out. Come back next week to check out Star Wars time. Peace out. I'm offended. Raindrops keep falling on my head. But that doesn't mean my eyes will soon be turning red. Crying's not for me.